How many of you remember Dr. Keith Yost around here? Woo! Oh, what an entrance. <laughs> wow, I thought he popped a few strings in there maybe. Thank you, Dr. Yost, for bringing an incredible gift. God, how can we say thanks to you for all you've done for us? How do we find that place of gratitude where we can approach you with an open heart and an open mind? All that we have, all that we are, God, come from you. From that place of abundance, God, help us walk with you and journey with you. Open our hearts to a fresh word this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a beautiful piece. That song, my tribute, is so fitting for us because we are on the fifth Sunday of a five-part series called Church Alive. And at the end of, of, of this time here, we're going to make our commitments together. And, and, and it'll be our tribute to God. It will be our time truly to reconsider and rethink what our spiritual practices are going to be. And we've been studying those for the fast, last four weeks. We've gone over spiritual practices that will uh, in, empower us and enable us to be the church alive. We've gone over radical hospitality. We know that to be the church alive, we must be a people who practice God's radical hospitality. And we know that we must be a congregation that worships with passion, passionately worship. And we know that we should be a people that are intentional in our spiritual transformation and our life development, our faith walk. And we should be compassionate in our mission and service to the community, participating in God's justice and mercy in the world. And then today's spiritual practice, extravagant generosity. That's right, you made it for the talk on money. <laughs> Nobody get up, we've, we've got the doors locked. This is the, the final spiritual practice, and just like the others, our giving, our generosity, the spiritual practice helps us fulfill the great command to make disciples of ourselves, to be disciples and help transform the world. In the transformation of our own very lives, we participate in the transformation of the world. So this spiritual practice is as relevant as the others. It is the way that we um, give back to God. It is a way that we further the mission and vision that God holds for the, for the churches. And so that's extravagant generosity. And um, when I think about this spiritual practice, I go immediately to the thought. I mean, because isn't that really the main purpose in life? Is we are blessed to bless. Isn't that the true uh, everyday practice of our very world? If you go to Genesis, as early as Genesis 12, 2, God says to Abraham and Sarah, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. And so this is just the way of life. This is the yin and yang of life. And the commodity for this, um, for this spiritual practice and the commodity for this way of life is money. That is the uh, commodity or the exchange that we have. You, it's, it's even how we view our everyday, our work lives are grounded in this principle. We give and our we give our blessing or we give a service to humanity and in return we're blessed and and then we're able to take that and then we bless our families and um, those that we care about and we take care of our our very lives and so so this is the very core of our being and existence and so you can bet that it's very important to God that we have a healthy relationship with money 
you can bet that it's important to God because our relationship to money being, I mean, it's the source of our survival that it would play into our relationship with God. And the scriptures have so many places that talk about this. Jesus himself had many places and many times where he taught about money and how to have a healthy relationship with money. 16 of his, I was looking at this and trying to find the best scriptures for today, 16 of his 38 parables, he discusses money. And so it's very, very important for us today. And the, the sermon that highlights his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, is where I took our uh, Matthew passage. This is the sermon that highlights his ministry, and right there in the middle of his sermon, he deals with treasure. And um, he, he sandwiches it in the, right before he teaches us how to pray. And right after this, about, this discussion about treasure and money, he, he talks about not to worry. Do not be anxious for anything. And so that's where he slid these in. And it's in your bulletin. It's the Matthew passage that was so beautifully read for us. And, and right off the bat, Jesus gives us some choices. Now, I know that he's talking about money when he uses the word treasure because at the end of this little passage, he says, you cannot serve God and money. So we know when Jesus uses the word treasure, he's talking about money. And it starts off like this. Jesus gives us a choice. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. So we all know. I mean, right off the bat, Jesus is saying, hey, just, just FYI, if you haven't noticed it yet, the stuff that comes and goes in your life, it will fall away. It's temporary. And it's at the mercy of the goodness of others. But instead, Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So Jesus starts off and gives us a choice. We can either store up our treasures, our money on earth or in heaven. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and I heard this scripture, you know, from a pastor who would teach about money occasionally, I just thought I had it in my head that there was this bank account, this God bank account thing. And that as I, somehow or another, I thought I was getting like tokens or something, that as I put in, right, that there was, you know, these, this box, you know, God's bank account, and, I, and at the end, you know, when I got to the finish line, I'd be able to cash in my tokens, my God count. <laughs> I, thought, I thought this heaven business was about, you know, the future, you know, my eternal home or something, my eternal bank account. But um, as, I, as, you, as you learn and study and really look at the scriptures, that Jesus taught, when he, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven or storing up in heaven, Jesus is talking about the here and now. And to show you this, the very first line, the, uh, Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with Beatitudes, blessed are, and the first and the last one are interesting. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last one, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus is talking about storing up treasure in heaven, Jesus is saying it is for now. We're talking about the right here and the right now. The realm of God, Jesus is saying, is right here, right now. And you're to store up your treasures in the here and now, in the present moment. So that leads us to the question because it's a little bit easier to picture the bank account, I think, actually, up in heaven. What does it mean to store up treasure in the here and now, in the realm of God today? Um, there was a, various places to go. 
But the one I found most succinct comes from Paul's letter to Timothy, and it's in the sixth chapter. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation so that you may take hold of the life that really is life. So simple, and I think we get this, don't we? Do good, be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. It's that blessing, blessed thing. So as we receive blessing, we are to bless. And I love this part because it also stresses, you know, again, there's the, you know, the uncertainty of riches if you put your hope in the wrong thing. But there's also this, but the treasures are, God provides these for our enjoyment. So it's not that you have to give everything away. We are to have things and enjoy things and live life to the fullest, but not to the exclusion of being a blessing to the world. So we're to do good and be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. This is how we store up treasure in the here and now in the realm of God. We participate in God's uh, kingdom come, kingdom today. And in case you like chimed out in the beginning of this verse because it said those who are present in the present age are rich, you might say, oh, I'm not talking about me. Because if you're like me, if somebody says, who's the rich? I say, anybody with more money than me. <laughs> But, but Mr. Paul here in the same scripture in Timothy in 6.6, 6, he says, For godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he goes on to say that if you have, it says uh, right after that, we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out of this world. But if you have clothes to wear and food to eat, be content. So from a biblical standard perspective, the rich or anybody that has clothes to wear and food to eat, and we do know, of course, in this world, there are people that don't, but I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing a lot of clothing. <laughs> so so, this, so we, we know also in this country, from a worldly standard, we are very, very rich and we're very blessed. And so clearly Jesus is talking to us, and so we go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives us a choice to store up treasure in, um, in the uncertainty of the world or in heaven. And then he goes on to this interesting thing about the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? So the, Jesus is talking about this good eye, good light, bad eye, bad light. And you have to wonder what this means about money. And um, I love this because the eye is the lamp. What Jesus is saying here is he's warning us, watch out, because human nature is. So we're going to get all these blessings and they're for our enjoyment, but again, not to the exclusion. Because, but we need to be careful because our eye is always craving for more. We always want more. It's our nature. I mean, that's really what drives us. That's a good nature. But Jesus is just warning us to be careful because if you give, if you receive these blessings and at some point start hoarding or, or sometimes if you become to the exclusion of being generous, 
um, and, and willing to share, what happens is things become out of balance. There is this dishealth that happens with your finances and you just begin to lose perspective. And then things, the light, you'll lose the sparkle in your eye. Um, I thought of the best illustration for this. I got any Janis Joplin fans in the house? <laughs> I'd like to do a song of great social and political import. It goes like this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh, Lord, won't, won't you buy, buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> I was going to sing that for y'all, but I thought I just would not... <laughs> So this morning I'm copying that disc. I'm like, I can't sing that. <laughs> I just love that. I, actually, the second verse of that is, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a new color TV? Well, uh, just, just to put this all in perspective, uh, I've been going to my friend's house, and they got these nice flat-screen TVs. I got this old TV set in my house, and I keep telling Melissa, we need I just want a new TV. And she said, baby, our TV works just fine, and we got babies to feed. So, <laughs> So one day, I walked into the living room, and I am not lying. The kids are sitting on the floor, and we, we got the CD ready. There's this called Sign-In Times, and Rachel teaches the kids these, the sign language. And uh, Rachel's face, her chin all of a sudden, somehow, it was up here, and, and there was all these lines. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I get to buy me a new color TV. <laughs> but, but, but the eye always wants more. I get to the store, find the one in my price range. Those 55 inches are staring at me over there. I always, yeah. No, I really, I have a better illustration for y'all. Here we go. <laughs> so a group of alumni, highly established in their careers, got together to visit their old university professor. So they're getting there and they're talking about, you know, all the things that have happened since they left college and all the success they've had. But, boy, it just doesn't take long and their conversations move to all the stress in their life, all the stress of work and, and their careers. So the wise professor's sitting there and he says, y'all want some coffee? And they say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he leaves the room and he puts together this big tray and he walks in the room and he sets it down. There's this big pot of coffee there and there's all these cups, different cups some porcelain, some styrofoam, some glass, some exquisite, some simple, some not so simple. All these different cups. And one by one, the students got up, and you know how this goes. Students got up, and they picked, looked around, they picked their cup, poured the coffee, and they walk away, and then they start noticing who's got which cup, who's got, <laughs> and they're holding their coffee, and the professor chimes in. He says, this is just like life. You really um, drive yourself to your own craziness because you got wrapped up in the cup. You wanted a cup of coffee, and that cup doesn't change the, the goodness of the coffee. But you got wrapped up in, in the cup, and then what everybody else's cups they had, and you missed, you missed the thing. And this is what's causing the stress and the pressure in your life. Don't forget that life is the coffee. 
And that's a much better illustration than my Mojana's Joplin. So, so we get back to the Sermon of the Mount, and Jesus is saying, you've got two choices to make, storing up treasure in, on earth, that's the uncertainties of the world, or storing up treasure and remaining generous with our lives. And then he says, but watch out, because your eye you know, has these blessings, because if you open yourself up and began to store up treasures with generosity, your life will be transformed, and more and more blessing comes to you. And so Jesus is just saying, just, so just watch out. Your eye will want and crave for more. And then he throws in the real kicker. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one or love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus, uh, this word serve, I, I was looking at various translations of this, and some of them use the word slave, and I realized that if you look at the word serve and the basis of the word, some of it can mean that it's this volunteer, you know, you voluntarily offer your service to others. But then there is another iteration of the word serve where it's mandated. Somebody's forcing you to serve. And the, the version that Jesus used here is really more like that. So the better translation is you will either be a slave to God or money. And so what Jesus is really stressing here is to, to recognize our heart and our mind and our eye. They will pull us and it will become the lens for which we make all of our decisions. And so when we lose that, that sense of um, the lens where we look at things through God's eyes, we will get pulled and pulled, and before we know it, we'll get pulled um, away from God. And um, a good way to, to look at this is we know that there's people important in our lives. And when you get into those uh, various relationships that are meaningful to you, whether it's a child or a parent or a lover or a friend, you begin to you put that person in your lens you consider them in the choices that you make and the decisions that you make. And so you start making decisions based on, you know, you, you filter your decisions on these people that are meaningful in your life. And so Jesus is saying, keep God in your filter. So there's two choices, two ways of seeing things, and there's two masters. So where do we get started in changing this perspective towards God? There's uh, a lot of places in the scripture um, even if you go back to uh, Abraham and Sarah, you'll find that the best way to start is with um, the first fruits, giving the first fruits to God, or the tithe and the offering. And the word tithe just means a tenth. And um, there's various places in Scripture we see this. Abraham and Sarah, before any law or code or any instruction, they knew they were blessed. They knew they were to be a blessing. And they always gave the, the first 10% back to God. And we see that modeled uh, in, from our uh, founding faith parents. And so I chose a scripture from Malachi that gives us some understanding of this tithe. But just to, just to say, there's various ways to look at this. One of them is the first fruits. It means changing your perspective. Extravagant generosity and giving back to God helps us change our perspective. And so what it means is we begin to see our spending, our saving, all of it through the perspective of God. If we peel off our first offering, our first fruits with intentionality, what we're saying is our ultimate worth, our ultimate trust is in the love of God and that we're children of God and through all of that, we give that through and then everything else will be all right. It's that ultimate trust back to God. The tithe is a hard thing sometimes to get to and it's something that some takes people years. It took myself years to get there um, but it is a biblical theological, um, universal standard 
that can apply to all of us in various places in our life. So no matter how much you make, it's, it's not enough to, uh, to, to pull you away or to cause you to fall away uh, or not to be able to take care of the things that are important in your life. But it does stretches you enough that it has you reprioritize your, um, your money and your finances. And again, it puts God in a perspective. So let's look at this scripture from Malachi. It's in your bulletin as well. Let me just give you a little history here. This is a, kind of a hard scripture in a way, if you know the history. Um, the, the, during the time of the prophet Malachi, the uh, Israelites were coming back to the city of Jerusalem. And when they got back, they'd been gone 70 years. And when they got back from Babylon, they, they found their city in ruins. Their temple was destroyed. And um, it, was, it was a hard living. They were trying to restore themselves, and there was a hard time for them. They didn't have much. They probably could barely buy sandals for their children. They, um, they, and, and on top of all of it, there was a drought, so even their crop. So this was a hard and heavy time that the prophet Malachi was, was speaking to them. And, and I have to think that you know, prophets speak out you know, to, to, our, um, to what's going on in our lives. So I have to think that the people were questioning, you know, hey, we're not far from our, our covenant. What's, we, are the, we are the nations to be blessed. We are to, we are to be blessed by God. This is our covenant. And we're not feeling very blessed right here. So God, um, so God is actually speaking to a people who are questioning you know, their blessing, questioning this covenant and this promise that was made to them. They're not feeling very blessed. And this is God's response. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, have not perished. God is saying, I am right here. I've never left your side. You're still alive. You're still breathing. You still have clothes. You have food. The blessing's all around you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That, what God is saying is, I have not changed. It's all in place. I have not left your side. Return to me. And you will experience it again, God says. So a people that are questioning, I don't have anything to give. God says, so, it sounds so hard, but you're robbing me. And so they say, how? Bring your full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in the house. God says, put me to the test. This is the only place in scripture you'll find that God says, test me. Trust me. Believe in me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. And I will rebuke that locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil and your vine in the field shall not be barren. Wow. So what God is saying, open. You're holding so tight. Your eye, your lamp is focused on the darkness. If you can just find a way, even in your little bit, to open up and put me into the equation, you will find health and wellness in your, in your finances and in your money matters. Let me in. I am all around you. And until you get there, as you continue to struggle, I'm still there in the struggle. Church, we have come full circle to our Church Alive series. It is from God's radical hospitality for us and the love of God. God first love and we can love. God blesses so we can bless. And so we've come full circle in this Church Alive series. And, 
And what better time than now for us to reconsider our commitment? Some of you, have the, these have been in the bulletins, those little yellow cards have been there a couple of weeks. Some of you have already filled them out. Some of you may not be ready to do that today. But what I want us to do is, uh, I love that song, My Tribute, and I think it's fitting for us to get into a place of gratitude, a place of understanding that all that we have comes from God, and it's from that place that we can make our commitments to be a church alive, the people of radical hospitality, the people of passionate worship, people that's going to be intentional in God's word so that it can form us and mold us. And then we're going to get into the community. We're going to change one life at a time. And in changing and participating in the mission and service, we find ourselves transformed. And then we're going to be extravagantly generous back to the generous God. These are the practices I want you to consider. And so I want you to take the card. Hopefully you received a pencil when you came in. If not, the ushers will be around and they, they should be able to give you some pencils if you need them. But I'm going to ask that they play the song, my tribute again, and, and, I, and this time with the lyrics so you can hear um, and get to that place of gratitude. And I want you, and whether you're alone or with your family, take time to pray about this commitment. Look at the card. You may fill it out as individuals. You may fill it out as a family. The tithe component of this card, or where you are in that um, where you're ready to do that. I just want you to know that it is your 2011 commitment. Some of us are places are there now. Some of us might be putting out a, you know, a forward, I'm going to see this in my life in 2001. And if you're asking why it's relevant that we turn that in, I would tell you because you elected a board of directors and you've asked them to be good stewards with what we have. And they can only know, kind of get an, it helps them get an expectation it's just your pledge. This is what you hope to be able to do. And that gives them the ability to take that and see if they can prioritize our ministries and their spending around that. Um, so these cards, you'll have these five practices. You'll fill out the, uh, the back as well, and then you'll clip off the side and bring in the bigger part of the card during the song. And whenever you are ready during the song at any time, come and lay your, um, your commitment to be the church alive here in this basket. If this is your first time here, or if you've already done it, or if you're not ready to do it, this is what I would ask for you. Would you hold us in a spirit of prayer as we as a congregation go through this time of commitment? Will you just sit and hold us and pray for us and, and then just take the card home with you and wherever you end up, think about being the church alive wherever you are. Gracious God, indeed, we thank you. We thank you that you have privileged us to be a, a blessing to this world. We thank you that you have cared for us, and I know there's many in this congregation that are in the middle of their own times of trial and tribulation, and I ask blessing into their life. I ask you to give them the courage to find a way to make some pledges to you and to open and make sure that you're in their lives. And I ask God that you would also help each and every one of us here to know what it is that you would have for us. Guide us in our commitments. Guide us in our struggle. Bless us so that we may be a blessing. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love.
that that's enough. That's what I know. That that's all God asks for us. Just do what we can. And God will bless it and transform it. God, each of us, open our lives to you now. 
And where we are, we ask for you to meet us here. We ask for you to continue to transform us, journey with us. Help us to know that you're right there with us. Help us to feel the embrace of your hand in ours. And God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this community. Each one of us are a blessing. Help us be the church alive for you in our individual lives each and every day. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated.